Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Sarah Hudson back again. I think you might be my first, like, I don't know, return return interview. Thank you for coming, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be the first to repeat. I think that you were episode 46, and uh, we talked about your, um, you worked for a company on the internal HR side. So you were helping like the employees of your own company with their HR, um, I don't know, benefits and all those things. Do you yeah. want to recap what you were doing and then what's happened since we talked in July? Yeah. So for the past 10 years or so, I'd been working um, for a relatively large organization, about 10,000 employees in the United States um, in Canada. And I was helping them through leave of absence situations, workplace accommodations. So basically um, when you need time off for either like a, a disability or a personal matter, kind of working through those situations. And when there was a disability in place, figuring out you know, how we could support somebody and minimizing their time away from work and therefore maximizing their pay, which is is generally mutual, but mutually beneficial right, to the employer and to the employee. And, um, you know, as, throughout the last year or so, I began to feel that I was outgrowing that role a little bit. I'd just been doing it for so long. I was ready for a change, but I didn't really know what I wanted. And so I started just kind of getting on LinkedIn for the very first time, uh, creating a profile and really appreciating what their job search algorithm can do. And so I, I applied for other sorts of leave of absence jobs, but I really wanted something different. I explored well-being um, management roles. I explored even just um, like the other side of what I was doing. So with some vendor um, vendor organizations that would have worked with my counterpart, like to jump on the other side of things for a while, but I really wasn't anxious to leave HR either. So I also was applying for operations type of jobs. And what's funny is if someone had asked me my ideal and people did ask my ideal state being with such a large organization was that I really wanted to move to a small, perhaps local company where I could work maybe one or two days. <laughs> I'm laughing because office. I know where <laughs> I, I know. Right. Yeah. Trust me, listeners, there's a punchline here. Um, I thought, you know, if I could go in once a week or even once every other week, you know, have some kind of rapport. Um, because my closest coworker at the time was in Chicago and I'm in Houston. And so I didn't have anybody that I could like sit down and, you know, have happy hour talk shop, you know, those kinds of things. So I thought that would really be ideal. But what I quickly found was that all of the smaller companies that were local wanted you on site, you know, three to five days a week hmm. or the, and, or the pay was not in line with what I was looking for. Like I was making you know, very low six figures, like barely six figures at the time. And I wasn't certainly prepared to take a pay cut, but I was so ready for a change. I would happily have made a lateral move for something that was just different experience, you know, mm-hmm. that could take career in a different direction. So I knew very well, there were plenty of virtual opportunities out there. So I wasn't going to settle you know, for something when, when my current gig was good, I mean, I was ready to move on, but I was by no means miserable or underappreciated or undervalued or anything like that. So I went from an interview with a law firm in Houston of about, I think 700 people, which would have been a great fit. The money was decent. Um, and at the same time, Someone on LinkedIn just shared, you know, friend of a friend of a friend, a job opening on um, the benefits operations team at Google. And uh, that's the job I got. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. instead, 
So no more small local company. Yeah. Yeah. I'm now working for a global organization with 170,000 employees. Um, so that's fun. I mean, the HR team at Google is bigger than the entire organization that I interviewed for. It. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you, instead of going 10 times small and you went 10 times bigger. Uh, precisely. <laughs> Literally. Yes. Um, it is, that's been interesting. And I'll say that it's really intimidating. I think, you know, to go work for the Facebook, Apple, Googles of the world, because you're just because like, it's such a popular name and you think, oh, probably like just everyone's got everything together. And I'm going to be like, we have a phrase here in Texas, a country came to town. Like, what could I really be offering here? And I'm also, I mean, I'm not completely useless with technology, but I'm certainly not. A, a, what I would call a tech savvy person, which is, you know, like obviously in HR, I don't need to be that, but still you go to Google and you've never even touched a Google suite product before. And it's like, well, are you sure you want me here? <laughs> and, and what's funny is I, when I got there, I realized like with the, the transformation that Google's HR team is undergoing with the rapid growth of their employee population, my experience is actually exactly what they need. Really, And yeah, that was, that was nice. I mean, my ego was already a little bit insane because I had like bagged this job at Google making double what I was making awesome. at my Ooh. last organization on top of that, you know, for what I feel like is a very similar effort of, of work. Again, mm. I feel like the role is pretty much a lateral from what I was doing, but it's on the operation side. Mm -hmm. and not the program owner side. So I'm getting to do something different. I'm getting paid much better for it. And I still get to work from home full time, um, which has been interesting because not everybody at Google is working virtually. Um, we definitely are having a lot of people being asked to work that hybrid schedule, um, you know, to the extent that they're able, you know, people have to apply to continue to work from home, but I was hired to work 100% remote. So you're not expected to go. Where do they have uh, locations? So the main office is what they call the Mountain View office in the San Francisco Bay Area. I think there's close to 80,000 employees in that Bay Area. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so there's like three or four campuses there that all have like tons of people. Mm -hmm. But while there's there, there's a very small office in Houston, I don't know how small, but the, the main campus in Texas is in Austin. And for those of you unfamiliar with Texas geography, that's only about two and a half to three hours away. Um, and I say only because, again, when you're from Texas, like anything under eight hours is considered like not a big deal and drivable. <laughs> right. So I'm excited because I think, you know, once I settle in a little bit more, because I just took the job March 1st. So like we're at May 1st next week. So I'm still very, very new. Um, once I'm settled in a little bit more, I'm really, I would love to get over to Austin, you know, maybe just snag a hotel room for the night, you know, have happy hour with people and hang out in person in the office. I mean, the Google offices are everything you read about, like on the internet, you know, there's all this fun stuff and the, the food and like, there's a slide or something at some of them. I haven't gotten there yet. A but. slide? <laughs> I hear there's a slide <laughs> and the HR in me is like, all I can think about is the workers comp injuries that must come out. of that oh, slide. Nice. I, I don't think that's a thing, but that's where my mind goes. Cause I, that's what I used to do for a living. But anyway, it's, it's been quite the jump, quite how the long, jump. Um, how long did the, um, the transition take like from the time that you started hunting, um, mm -hmm. and interviewing 
and then you interviewed with Google. How long did it take from the interview? Because I know sometimes it's like a quick turnaround yes. and you give two weeks notice and you're out. And other times it's long and drawn out, lots of waiting. No, it was pretty quick. So I applied for the Google job late December and I had three, you know, they have a very, very formal, very standard behavioral interview process. So three interviews. And so those interviews happened like the first two weeks of January. And um, I had offer in hand before the end of January. Okay. Mm-hmm. So five weeks from yeah. application. Yeah, five or, weeks is fair. Was it right after Christmas or like um, in those That's last two weeks question. of December? Yeah, it was, it was within that time period. I can't quite remember if I'd applied before or after Christmas, but it was definitely the latter part. I mean, it, it moved very quickly. Wow. So the, the fact that they even reached out to you right away and offered mm-hmm. some offered an interview is great. And then yes. boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Um, I, when I was even getting internal jobs, when I worked for Mayo Clinic, I think sometimes it would take two to three months oh, yeah. to go from oh, yeah. an interview to, um, actually switching. Mm-hmm. Cause I did apply for some jobs internally at my other organization. I mean, like I said, after 15 years, I, I was not eager to leave. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even internally, I mean, from application, it would take a week or two to, you know, get the initial interview and then set up. And, you know, I think a lot of companies move slower um, in many regards, especially internally. I mean, especially right now, those poor recruiters, it's, I love HR and I can't imagine doing anything else, but I am quite relieved not to be a a recruiter in this day and age. It's, it's, it's already hard work. It's emotional work. And um, especially right now, it's just absolutely bananas. (laughs) So for those of us who uh, don't currently work in HR, and might not know all of the terminology. Could you kind of break down a little bit uh, for us, what you're talking about with like inward facing job versus outward facing Uh, is that we're facing the recruiting and the inward facing, like the managing of the, you go, you, you explain it, please. Yeah. So what I meant was, um, like in my last role, for example, again, I'm, I'm managing a leave of absence program. So I have a third party vendor who handles our short-term disability. I had a third party vendor who, um, worked our EAP. So a lot of people have an employee assistance program where they work. It's like a, you, a largely mental health benefit, but they do other things too. Yeah. And then I might have another vendor for like a caregiver benefit. And so when I say I went like the outward facing, I applied for jobs at the vendors that supported my current role oh, to kind of be on the other side of it. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that would have been an HR role, right? That would have been more of a, um, like a product management role or like not sales. Cause I didn't want to sale, but like an account manager kind of. Um, and I, and I had a few interviews there. I mean, I certainly wasn't the best fit, so it wasn't a shocker that I wasn't selected for those, mm-hmm. but I, it was very interesting to interview for a few different jobs. Cause it really helped me identify like, okay, like if, if I don't feel confident coming out of the interview, then that's probably not the job for me, you know? Okay. So I was glad to like come full circle and end up right back in, you know, the age operations. But a space. good learning and growing experience, right? Totally. Because when you talk about timeline, it was 16 months. I, I decided last August, this is it. I renewed my resume. Um, I had like an interview with Apple right out of the gate. Yeah, um, they and they didn't select me, which kind of hurt my feelings because I was perfectly qualified, but that's okay. And <laughs> and you fast forward 16 months to that application I put in with Google the following December. Okay. Because so, apparently when you want to make six figures and you want to work from home and you know exactly the kind of job you want to do, it takes a while, you know, first yeah. world problems, you know. 
because people talk a lot about the great resignation and, you know, jobs are a dime a dozen, but the reality is good jobs, right. For people with a lot of experience mm-hmm. are just as hard to get as they ever were. You know, the, the jobs that are easier to come by right now are the jobs where, you know, they're more entry level. They're maybe jobs where the environment is not as ideal, like, mm-hmm. you know, public facing jobs, you know, the kind of stuff that most people don't probably plan to do for their whole life. They're usually stepping stone jobs. And yes, there are people that do retail their whole life and absolutely love it. There are people that start as a fry cook at McDonald's and work their way up to regional management. Absolutely. But I have to think those are the exception, right? Now we have probably literally millions of people who got a taste of working from home and then were forced to go back into the office who were vying for all of those competitive Exactly. You know, uh, six figure and, you know, even comparable exactly. jobs. Yes. Um, definitely uh, a different kind of market. <laughs> definitely. Ab- absolutely. And then you think about, you know, I don't, I don't want to take us on a tangent, you know, all the people that decided not to go back to work, you know, particularly mothers, <laughs> yeah. but not just, not just mothers. You know, I do know actually several, several dads who have taken, taken up the stay at home parent mantle. I mean, all this. So not only are you com- competing for, for talent, but also, you know, sometimes companies are, are competing, you know, for people, because if you have a unique skill set, if you're in a bit of a niche market, um, it's, it's been hard for you people to find jobs, but it's been sometimes hard for employers to find qualified candidates um, that could jump in and hit the ground running. Like you don't always have time, you know, to bring somebody in from the bottom and get them up to speed. Like the job I'm in, they needed somebody who could hit the ground running and it just really? so happened, you know, here I am lucky them. Are you still in a training period right now or yes. are you already? Okay, go it would, ahead. Yes, it would be fair to say I'm still onboarding. I am on two big, exciting projects. Like, you know, I can't give the detail of them, but I am excited. Um, you know, within benefits, there's always new vendors being considered, new processes being considered. And whether it's, again, leveraging an external client relationship, again, with a vendor or figuring out how you're going to better serve your employees. Um, you know, people think HR and they kind of, I think, largely think recruiting and firing people, right? <laughs> and there's so much more, right, than that. So so my job specifically and my whole team and the extended teams I work with, we are laser focused on the employee experience. And when you need something as an employee, can you find it? Can you find it quickly? And do you trust the information that you're finding? And are you getting it um, in, a, in a method that works for you and a timeline that works for you? So a lot of what I do is really around are you coming to work every day and your benefits aren't a distraction? Are they an enhancement? Are you getting what you need so that you can focus on your day job or your family (laughs) Um, and, and, you know, not navigating your benefits. And so that that's what my job is all about. So I'm excited to really dive in. I mean, right now, um, again, still, still meeting a lot of people, still learning a lot about the organization and and like what these projects are going to be all about. So I think in about a month from now, um, I'm going to be kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'm fully in now. I'm fully in now, but As of today, I'm still enjoying a bit of downtime during the day, which is exciting. So it sounds like employee handbook stuff. Um, Handbook, maybe not paper, but yeah. uh, will you be uh, talking with employees at all or is it going to be completely the only team? Yeah, I am behind the scenes uh, in that regard. So I'm kind of a bridge between the program owners that work more strategic projects and the, I'll call it on the ground team that actually talks to employees face-to-face. Well, not face-to-face, right? Um, email to email. Yes. <laughs> so I support that team and I make sure they have everything they need so that when an employee reaches out and says, this is what I need, they know how to answer. And if they don't know how to answer it, they at least know who to ask. And, and then vice versa, 
you know, they can bring things to, to me saying, Hey, we're getting more and more questions about this, or I'm getting more and more questions that I'm not sure how to answer. Maybe we should pause and like review, like, is the policy online not clear? Is the handbook not clear? Um, or is it clear to us and maybe there's too many nuances and, you know, under what circumstances, you know, could we maybe get some canned responses together on this and, and what circumstances do we want to escalate it perhaps and, and review it on a case by case basis. So it's, you know, you want to take care of people, but at the same time, you can't create either a unique experience for every single employee. So you have to figure out what you can scale you know, what, what works for the masses and then figuring out where maybe you should, you should be looking at a bit of an exception to handle a situation that your policy couldn't have anticipated or your company couldn't have anticipated to work through it the right way. I want to get some tips and tricks about job changes yeah. uh, from you. Cause you are HR. I know that you're not a recruiter. Um, do you have experience with the whole hiring side or like the resumes or the interviews? Have you been in that or do you, do you feel like you not on the other side? Yeah. My experience is just as a job searcher, but let me tell you, I've, I've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Anything new in 2022? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I hadn't searched for a new job really since 2006, you oh, know, wow, yeah. I, I made a couple of internal moves, but they were kind of things that fell into my lap and not, you know, super formal searches. So I would say a few things. So first I would say searching for a job is a part-time job. So you, you have to like make a decision to be serious about it. If you are serious about it. I mean, if you're just one of those people that likes to poke around every six months and and just really casually check, that's fine. But if like myself, you are done where you are. Um, and certainly, you know, if you're already unemployed that you have the time, but especially if you are still working full time, you have to make time for it and set aside time for it and like treat it like a meeting, a block, you know? So what I would do, what worked for me, right. Cause again, I love the LinkedIn situation, the algorithm, like I did not really use anything else. Right. I poked around on ZipRecruiter. I poked around on flexjobs.com as well, because they were good about pointing out what was you know fully virtual, what was hybrid. That was a good site too, but the LinkedIn algorithm just cannot be beat for, for, for me. So I did pay for a premium for several months to just take advantage of some of those extra perks. But what I would do just downtime during the week, because I didn't want to spend too much time job searching during that. I still had a job to do. And like, you know, I'm a good, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a rule follower, right? <laughs> but, but I certainly spent a few minutes here and there almost every day. I would just like, if I had a little coffee break, if you will, I'd pick up LinkedIn, look through and I'd kind of save jobs. And then what I would do on like Friday, Saturday night, when I had some downtime, my husband would be hanging out with the kids. I would lock myself in my bedroom, go through those saved jobs, remove the ones that's like, oh, upon second read, that's not really what I want. Or, you know, I'd look up, maybe look up the company and say, no, like that's only a 50 person organization. Like that's not what I want, you know, or at the time weeding out larger organizations. Like, you know what, now that I think about it, I don't want to work for a national realtor. Like I, that's not the kind of environment I want to work in considering the job that I want to do different things like that (laughs) and then end up at Google Um, and then just apply. Right. And I mean, there's a few quick apply things and I have heard very anecdotally people say, oh, well, if they have those quick applies, like those aren't real jobs, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I had several great experiences of some of those like apply now again, slightly smaller organizations or slightly less formal organizations. Um, but again, good paying jobs had a couple of interviews ended up not being the right fit for them. Um, so, I mean, you know, no hard feelings, of course, but I would say don't, don't assume just cause there's an apply now that it's kind of not legit. 
Um, I think the thing that I learned about the quick apply is more that it just takes the resume that you have already built in LinkedIn and just mm-hmm. uses that. And it doesn't really give you the chance to customize it. Right. It depends. Yeah. Some of them, you could upload a resume. Um, some of them you couldn't, and some of them even had several screening questions. Um, so it just, yeah, it really depends. And I think even over the course of a year, I saw that apply now change a lot from oh, really? one click to one click upload your, your tailored resume even, and then maybe a few screening questions. Do you have X number of years doing this? How many number of years do you have doing that? And so I liked that because it was like the best of both worlds, right? I didn't have to do a lot, but they got, you know, the crux of what they needed from me. So we don't waste each other's time. And I like Mm -hmm. that. Something else I noticed, and I'm pretty sure this wasn't the case before the pandemic. Every single screening call I had, we talked money, every single one. And I don't know if that's because of the level that I am or because, you know, the fact that I am applying for, but even the jobs that weren't like super HR, the recruiter would talk a little bit. Some of them brought it up sooner. Some of them brought it up later. I never got off the phone without either giving them a range or them saying, this is the range. So apparently that's legal in your state. Cause I know there's some states where it's not legal to ask. Like, they can't ask what you're currently making, Okay, but they can ask like, is there a salary target you what have you're in looking mind? for? Yes. Which again, to me, any recruiter worth their salt is telling you the range. If you're a job searcher, don't feel like you have to give one. You, you ask for tips. I think another of my best tips is if you're not really sure what this job pays or what it's worth in the market, um, it's okay to say, I really need to hear more about the full compensation package. I'm in the benefits before I could really give you a number. Can you give me the range, you know, for this job? That's fair because if they, um, if they offer a nice salary, but they don't offer as good of, um, so for instance, when I left Mayo Clinic, when they offered me a severance package, um, Mm -hmm. it wasn't severance. It was separation package. Um, my benefits that I was carrying for four of the five family members, um, were a lot less expensive than what my husband's were going to be. So basically, even though my husband was able to, you know, cover benefits for our family, it cost us several hundred. You basically took a pay cut. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Or, and on the other side of it, like my current, my company, I was at, at a light, we're not a salary leader. And I was okay with that because I've been working from home way before working from home was cool. And that was the benefit to you. That was the benefit. And, and they were very transparent. They're like, look, we offer a lot of other benefits, not just health, but like, we're not, we're not trying to be a, a market leader for salary. Right. And I was totally fine with that, but I would have undersold myself by 20 to 30% like even a lateral move asking for my current salary okay. or even bumping it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I would definitely have not asked for what the job was worth. And I, again, will say every single recruiter that I undersold said, Oh, our starting range is above that. So you'll be fine. So, I mean, they were very, and, and I know not every recruiter is that transparent. You know, I don't have rose colored glasses about it. I know yeah. there are companies out there that will undersell you, but I was so pleasantly surprised. I mean, quite shocked that, you know, I'd say, hey, I'm looking to make about 120 and they said, oh, well, this role starts at 135. You're good. Nice. You know, and, and, and then like you're said, like, wait, I, <laughs> I mean, what did like, <laughs> yeah, great. I mean, but, but even, even at, at Google, um, they, they didn't put the salary range for Texas, um, on it, but you know, now that Colorado has the the law that you have to put something on the posting, I could see what the role offered in in Colorado. Okay. So I asked for a little bit less, um, 
because I thought, well, you know, Texas has lower cost of living than Colorado, but they offered me even more than that, you know, because they they want to secure candidates and they want to pay people fairly and they're looking for internal equity and everything like that. And and that's not unique to Google by any means. You know, I, I heard that from a lot of organizations, like, you know, we start everybody off at this, even if you have less experience or more like this is because I think a lot of people too feel like, well, I personally am worth this. And that's important. You should absolutely know your worth and ask for your worth, but also that role you're applying for or taking has a value to the organization. Right. So if they're like, this role only brings up to $150,000 value, and you're like, hey, I'm looking for a role that makes $175,000, they're going to, the fact that they're not offering it to you doesn't mean they think you're worthless. But there's a mix, right, between what the role brings to the organization and what you're bringing to the role as well. So keep that in mind. Can we go back and talk about LinkedIn for a few minutes? Yeah. Um, you said that you noticed the button uh, for the apply now change over the year. Um, you also said you were kind of new to LinkedIn. So was that 16 months ago you created the profile? Yeah. Because we do have your LinkedIn. That You gave it to us um, when you were our last yes. episode. Was that, I was already I say, job searching at the time. <laughs> did I say you were episode oh, 46? Working yes. from home through the HR lens with Sarah Hudson. Uh, mm-hmm. So go back and listen to that one too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good tips in there if you're, if you're needing a leave or an accommodation during the pandemic. But yeah, I was brand new to LinkedIn at the time. Can I tell you something that I just happened to notice right now? Please. I lost my Apple watch a couple months ago and it is sitting right there. And I just found it it. and I'm so excited. I could cry. (laughs) Oh my goodness. You just showed me there it is. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I am like. How do you lose something that's actually on your desk? And I swear, I swear I've looked around. Maybe Um, somebody found it and put it on your desk because they didn't know you were looking for it. In my closet, in my bathroom, in my bedroom. So it would have been one of my family members. It's very possible, actually. We'll give them Um, the benefit of the doubt. They were doing you a solid. No, I actually (laughs) uh, filed um, a police report because at one point I thought it was stolen. Um, So here's a funny little thing about, do you have, do you happen to have a smartwatch? I don't. Okay. So here's the funny thing. You know how you can use like find my iPhone with Apple products. Yeah. Well, apparently when your battery on your watch is so, so dead that um, it can't be located, it shows the previous location for 24 hours. And what I didn't know is that then it starts to pretend like its location is the same location as your phone. And so I was like, I can't even describe the stress I was going through because it would say that my watch had pinged like six miles from here, but it only happened because I drove through the intersection like the day before. Yeah. And so I was like out, like lifting up like road construction cones and like sandbags trying to see like, where could my watch have been? Um, Cause it was, it was, and I had just driven through this, you know, and then it said that it was at my school. And so then I thought maybe one of my students had stolen it, which I didn't want to think. And I never, I always thought I lost it. <laughs> I never right. assumed that anyone until it pinged at the school. And then I was like, that like, changes the story. And then it pinged at my house. And so I thought maybe it was that in my car tore apart my car. I'm not, I'm not joking. Like, like I wouldn't let anyone vacuum you. the car because I also am listening my AirPods right now. Um, mm-hmm. maybe they're just going to magically appear now too. Maybe they will. Okay. Oh. So you have to ask your family, did somebody find me and you have to report back to me? Yeah. Um, whether you report to your listeners is up to you, but I need to know now, did somebody it's, find it and put it there or did the shoemakers elves find it? Or it's it very possible. Cause I have barely been in my office in the last, um, 
four or five months. Cause I've been, you know, working yeah. on site, like here I yeah. am hosting my, yes, I work from home podcast. Um, but I'm temporarily working in person That's right now, so which funny. I think is really, really good for me as far as just being able to like have that taste of, you yes. know, the, the onsite experience again, cause it had been, you know, more or less 13 years. Yeah. You know, since I've had, you know, staff lunches and stuff like that. Yeah. I do miss the potlucks. I miss, I miss the potlucks and, and being with people a little bit, not enough to go in every day, but in perpetuity, yeah. right. Cause your situation is a, like a defined in, in period, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yes. It yeah. Is. So true. that's nice. That's nice. <sighs> that's okay. funny. That okay, so back to LinkedIn, so as you said, um, <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, I, I would do my kind of like favoriting jobs during the week using the weekend. And I mean, I applied for like 20 jobs every single weekend for almost, almost every single weekend for over a year. Cause we're talking hundreds and hundreds, hundreds. of applications. Cause I think people yes. start to get worn out when they're like, I've applied for over a hundred jobs. Yeah. And you're like, that's not enough. <laughs> and I, I used to think like, that's insane. Like, what are you doing? But you know, then I became the hypocrite. Cause again, I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was applying, it's not like I was looking for just one job. Have I been, had I been looking for just one kind of job, I'd have been applying for five jobs a week, you know, but because I said, well, let me just cast this wide net. Like, let me see what is out there. And I'm applying mm-hmm. for three or four different like categories of jobs. Yeah. And I applied, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I applied for several things that, you know, I wasn't sure I was qualified for that were steps up instead of lateral moves mm-hmm. and it got rejected for pretty much all of those. Um, and again, the ones I did get callbacks for turned out like the salary was just not worth like the extra work, the extra responsibility, because okay. they weren't, they weren't paying like as, as much as I'm making now for so sure. So if you're going to change industries or change roles, maybe don't try to do, uh, not just a lateral move, but also a, a bump up. Yeah. Like, Cause ideally internally, it's easier to move laterally or to move up. Right. Yes. Yes. Because I thought, you know, what I'm doing at a light was so. I won't say silo, but it's a very specific skill set, you know, managing a leave program. So I thought I'm probably going to have to lateral kind of into something else to prove what else I could do, right, in order to have more responsibility. Because I was, I, I would have loved to move up again in my current organization, but the structure was such that like I didn't want my boss's job. Um, that wasn't, wouldn't have been what I wanted to do. Okay. Um, I don't think I've been very good at it. <laughs> um, and and, and then though, like re- recruiting wouldn't hire me in a higher level role because I'd never done recruiting talent development would have hired me in a higher level role because I've never done that, you know? Okay. So I thought, okay, I really need to lateral prove myself and move up in a different way. Do you feel like there's opportunities at Google for Oh, definitely a hundred percent. And you know, what's so funny. I've already run into several alumni, uh, from my last organization here, oh. So like small world, I guess, in HR and benefits space, right? That was kind of funny. We didn't work together. Um, we were all there kind of at different times or they were there like much earlier in my career, but that was just like really funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the people I'm talking to at Google right now, and, you know, they've been there three years and their second or third different kind of job. Like you can move around a lot. Um, you know, if your skill set's what's needed, they put people where they can be useful, where they have passion. Um, it seems like you know, they do a really good job or at least try to do a very good job of, you know, helping people shake things up, you know, so you don't get stagnant and, and different things like that. They even have opportunities where you can like go do something else for, let's say three to six months, work on a special project and, you know, come back to your job, kind of get oh. the break in. So you don't get hopefully as burned out, right. You don't get bored and 
but those mm-hmm. special projects give you the the stepping stones to, to yeah exactly you can kind of test the water see hey do I like working over here do I like working over there so yeah I'm really excited I'm so new I'm not even thinking about my next step yet obviously <laughs> but but it's really nice to know it's it's almost impossible I think to find myself in the position I was in when I started job searching recently is like I don't feel like there's anything else for me here that seems almost impossible to be the case. <laughs> I, I, I'd be very happy to retire from Google in 20 years. I turned 40 last month and I'm like, I'm, yep. I'm not trying to job hop at this I'm age. <laughs> I, um, I'm an, I'm a monogamous worker. Uh, <laughs> can you 15 years of my last organization? I'd be very glad to spend 15 or 20 years here and then yeah. call it a day. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Um, it's exhausting and it's emotional it and um, time consuming. Can you talk a little bit about, I know, at the beginning, before we recorded, I was like, is there anything that's off limits? And she said, I'm supposed to just keep it to what's in the news. But um, do you feel like your onboarding experience has been gentle or vigorous? Oh yeah, definitely gentle. And and I don't know know, how it compares to to others. Um, I know some people hired during the pandemic were um, brought into things a little sooner just because things happened quickly. But I have had, I'll say a much gentler onboarding experience. And I think anyone could have expected. Oh, really? Um, and I mean, anyone like just external coming in, um, like solid two weeks, you know, not even talking about work, just learning about the organization and, um, like the different, different areas. Like I didn't even realize all, like, I don't think I realized Google owned YouTube. Like I'm just so <laughs> out of the loop. Like casual people probably know that I didn't. And, you know, just kind of learning about things like that. And then, so a lot of time just learning about your particular part of the organizations, you know, in HR, you know, how, what's the structure like, what does everybody do? And then just meeting tons of people, like just scheduling 20, 30 minute, get to know you calls with uh, all the people you're going to be working with and figuring out like, who's also a Harry Potter geek, who's also in Texas, who also has small kids, you know, and finding those little connections. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is one of the projects I'm working on, uh, the lead on that project lives in my neighborhood. <laughs> What? what are the chances of that? What? Like literally, what are the chances of that? So you can have coffee. I can have coffee. Like half the teams in San Francisco, half the teams in Austin. Me and this guy are gonna have a coffee date eventually. That's awesome. And he has a kid my kid's age. That's funny. Oh, fun. But um, but yeah, it's been very slow going. I mean, I'm definitely at this point where I'm raising my hand to say, are you sure there's not more? I'm ready. Like let's, and again, there's a couple of projects I'm working. I'm just kind of waiting for them to take off. And I actually am going on vacation next week. So when I think when I come back from vacation, we're going to be. Did you negotiate that in the interview? Uh, This was already planned. (laughs) We're going to Disneyland. The kids don't know yet, but they're not here. So I can talk about it. Fun. How, how much time do you feel like they spent telling you about your benefits? Um, but before hire or since onboarding? Both, because you are going to be making sure that people know how to find their stuff. Yes. And is it too much or too little? Yes. How was your experience learning about your benefits? Yeah. So, so pre-hire, they have like a, what they call an at a glance, which a lot of companies do. I, I created the one at my last company. So it's a really solid, um, big picture of what you get. You know, you get this much vacation and here's the kinds of health benefits we offered and have like pricing and all that, you know, cause it depends on where you live, mm-hmm. but you go in kind of really understanding there's a lot at my disposal, you know, and then during onboarding, it's a little bit more self-serve. Um, definitely one of the things that we'll be talking about this year is like, how can we do maybe a slightly more robust picture of what's available and how to find it. But you know, that's again, 
every organization has that. I won't say it's a problem, but just how do you navigate? How do you help people find what they're looking for? And um, so that that's always an area where every organization can improve, but the tools are good. You know, how you enroll, it walks you through step-by-step, step. you know, um, the, the vendors that, that every company uses, including Google for walking you through that. They don't let you choose things that you can't have. If they make sure that you're um, like, if you select a dependent on one page and then you don't want another, it's like, Hey, did you forget somebody? And oh, so they're you know, smart. For like example, they, they really are following Okay. Right. Like my husband has like the stellar dental insurance. So like I selected vision, but not dental. And it was like, Hey, are you sure you don't want dental? Cause I saw you selected one and not the other. So the tools are really smart. Okay. So it's kind of hard to make too much of a mistake. You know, when That's you're going so that. great. Like that yeah. you don't have to necessarily know all of the options, just your options. Right. Right. Exactly. And you can always call the carriers you know, if you're not sure. But again, some companies have more options than others. So you might need to even look into, well, is Blue Cross better for me? Is that better for me? Whereas Google has one option and you're good. There's a couple of plans to choose from still. Whereas at my old organization, you had five different carriers to choose yeah. from. So it's really, you know, company specific, but Google did a great job of kind of walking through that. Yeah. When I worked for Mayo Clinic, it was Mayo Clinic one, Mayo Clinic two, Mayo Clinic three, um, yeah. you know, similar. And- and, you know, comprehensive versus, you know, basic. Um, yeah. But with my husband's, it's, um, yeah, I had never had to compare, you know, what you said, carriers before. Um, yeah. The different, different. Um, I think it was like, yeah, I can't even think of them all. And it's like, you can look at the price points or you can look at like, do I want to be in this network or that network? And that's to me, when people say, how do I choose? I say, how important are your doctors? You know, if you want to keep your current doctor, make sure they're in the network that you're choosing, <laughs> yes. you know? If you don't care or it's just not that important, then go by cost. Cause at the end of the day, I mean, healthcare yeah. healthcare, it's all less than ideal anyway. So you might as well save your money. Okay. And what about like, how much time did you give? Um, how much notice, notice did you give to your previous company and what yeah. kind of um, equipment did you have to give back and what kind of equipment did you get? Yeah. So um, I had a laptop that I returned. Um I have a monitor here. I actually can't remember if they bought it or I bought it. So I kept it. They didn't ask for it. <laughs> Who's what, who wants to pay to ship back a 10 year old monitor? Cause I've had yeah. it a long time. Even if they oh, bought actually, it, it wouldn't be worth it. Yeah, <laughs> it's outdated. Back. But yeah, all I had was that in like the keyboard and mouse, they issued me 10 years ago. I've long since replaced. So all I had to do was ship my laptop back. Similarly, all Google sent me was a laptop. Really? No. Now, again, I treated myself to a new like wireless keyboard, mouse and um, wireless headset last Christmas. If I needed that, I absolutely could have asked for it and they would have provided it. If I needed a new monitor, if this one ever dies, I mean, eventually, well, they will certainly provide me with one, but I didn't need it. And it just didn't seem any, I didn't see any point in asking for something new um, when I didn't need it. I think I'll just wait yeah. until I do. What about like <laughs> desk or chair? Do they give any kind of stipend for that sort of thing or? Um, no, no. And I don't know how common that is. Sorry, my computer's dying. So I didn't I don't know how common it is to, to get those kinds of stipends. I, I, I didn't offer one at my last organization. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't, oh, I see a lot of people suggesting that like in HR groups, well, can you negotiate that? I mean, they either give it or they don't. That's, that's not something you negotiate. But as someone who's been working from home for 15 years, I, I don't need any of that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like I have a setup that I love. Um, when I bought, came, when I bought this house a few years ago, I bought myself a new desk. I bought myself a new chair. Like I don't need any of that. Um, again, I think 
you know, if there was something small I needed, like a chair, potentially they would pay for it or allow me to expense it. It's just not something I've asked for. They do pay for my internet. Um, cause okay. that's the law in California. So they just, and since most of their employees are California, they just pay. So they just add, you know, that $70 to my paycheck. Nice. So is it, um, they help cover your internet. Cause I don't know about you, but my internet costs more than 70. Yeah. But mine coincidentally is like 75. So it's perfect. Oh, <laughs> nice. The beauty of the low cost of living, right. in uh, in the Houston area. But I wonder how closely connected are ergonomics, like, you know, cause like, I don't know if you have mm-hmm. an ergonomic specialist in your team or if you can have virtual assessments or not NHR and like workman's comp and all those kinds of things, because yeah. a lot of people get repetitive stress injuries from working at a laptop and even mm-hmm. just working at a decent setup, but incorrectly. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if there was anything about ergonomics in my onboarding. And the reason I'm having a hard time remembering is that I was heavily into that work as I was leaving a light. And like, my brain can't distinguish between like, was that the old job or the new job where we talked about it? (laughs) (laughs) But what I'll say is this, I mean, it's 2022, uh, get online, check your setup, make sure it's good. Like we're all grownups here. Like you can do it. There's not a lot your employer is going to offer you, even with a virtual visit that you can't figure out online. They'll yeah. tell you, know, you can easily find recommendations for how far away should your computer be for eye strain? How, you know, what's the height, you know, that your keyboard should be mm-hmm. for wrist injuries and things like that. Um, you know, what position should you be sitting in? And also, I mean, yeah, there are some chairs that are better than others, but most office chairs on the market are, you know, ergonomically sound might need to get a back support if you're very short like me, maybe a foot rest. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually thinking about just yesterday, maybe getting one of those under desk ellipticals. Yep. Um, cause, cause I think it'd be fine. I have ADHD and I I'm getting more fidgety. Um, so in my old age, so I wonder if maybe that would my be helpful. very first interview, Ryan Langer is my cousin and he's, I think pretty openly ADHD. Um, and he has one of those specifically. Yeah. I just got diagnosed six months ago. That's a whole other conversation. Yep. We <laughs> <I hear you. laughs> We're working on that too. So I hear you. Whole other conversation, but yeah, uh, drugs have helped <laughs> not sorry. We did that. Um, but yeah, I noticed, um, I think the second kid kind of broke me. So as I'm navigating that in the new job, figuring I out, hear how to you. Make myself, mm-hmm. I could live my life just fine. Then I had a second child and everything just went completely. And my therapist said, that's totally common. It made me feel better. <laughs> yeah. I think I started feeling, um, like more anxious after my second kid. And it took me several, like six, eight months to really even put my finger on what was wrong. Yeah. yeah. So I started ADHD medication in September and I actually started anti-anxiety as well in January. I'm a totally different person. It's awesome. amazing. Amazing. Before we wrap up, I do like to usually just ask my, um, go-to question and yeah. I'm actually working on compiling some of the answers that I've received over the last 90 some episodes that we've had. Yeah. Um, and maybe your answer has changed. I can't remember if I asked you the last time. Um, but if you had any advice to give someone who's thinking about working from home for the first time or, yeah. um, making it a permanent change, yeah. what new advice do you have for mm-hmm. someone in that position? I don't remember if you asked me that or not, but I'll, and therefore I don't remember what I would have said, but watching the pandemic situation go through, and I, I would just say, respect it. You're still working. Like, does that mean you can do things during the day? Yes. Does it mean you probably need, need to still be available for core hours? Yes. Like, can you work with multiple children at home? No. Can, can you work with multiple elderly relatives who need your attention? No. So it's like, 
you need to give it the respect that you would have if you were in the office. Mm -hmm. And like, I put on a real shirt for you today because I thought we were videoing. It's like, do I work in my pajamas? We are. Uh We are. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. You know, but so you don't need to do hair and makeup and get, I mean, some people do, that's what they like to do. But what I mean by respecting it is like, have your dedicated space. Even if you're in a tiny apartment, I understand like not everybody has the luxury I have of an office, Mm -hmm. but like, just respect your space and don't try to work from your bed all the time. Don't try to work from your couch all the time. Like, do I take a call from the couch every now and again to change up the scenery? Yes. Cause it's been 15 years and sometimes I need to go somewhere that's not this office, but I, I see so many people like, yeah, I need to work from home. Cause I have all these kids. Or I need to work from home. Cause I have all these responsibilities. That's not how it works. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're still being paid to do a job. And, and, and if you're not doing that well, then your work from home privileges, cause it is a privilege can get revoked and, or, that could be the impetus for a company to remove it for other people. If yeah. people are not productive and are not taking it seriously enough. Right. So, so like, if I you're... would say, yeah, respect the privilege of working from home. And there are going to be days you totally take advantage of it and days you clean out your closet and you have a long lunch with your mom and things that I did yesterday, literally. But, and then there are days you're going to be head down and, you know, it's important to have boundaries. Absolutely. Your family comes first, you know, work to live, don't live to work, all of that but do the job you're paid to do first and foremost. And working from home is not a substitute for childcare is the biggest thing I can say. Absolutely. If you want a a salaried or a full-time position, Mm -hmm. it's not, yeah, you have, um, some people are like, Oh, I want to work from home, but they mean I want to work three hours a week, you know, for my, you know, like like, if you want to freelance freelance, if you want to, you know, if you're doing something like medical transcription that you literally could do with kids running through the house because you don't have meetings or you no, can do you it during that time or after they go to bed. That's what I did for Mayo Clinic. You cannot do yeah. it with kids running through the house because you have to hear every single word and you can't mess it up. Well, that's true too. So I was I, mean, I, I just know there are people who will say, well, I work from home. It's like, yeah, but if you own your own <laughs> business, you're making your own hours. That's a totally different yeah. matter. I'm talking about you're working for corporate America in a normal nine to five gig no. and you have their expectations there. Yes, and they're very similar to what they would be if you were in the office. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're not going to bring your kids running around the house. Yeah, If you wouldn't bring your kids the to the office, office then yeah. you shouldn't be trying to work while your kids are at home. That's true. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts? Um, final thoughts are, I hope I can be your first three P. <laughs> okay. But you're not going to have a, okay. You just have to think of a really, really good topic and pitch it. I know <laughs> we're going to, we're going to get it. We're going to do it. But you said you have a friend you're going to recommend, right? Yes. Yes. I sent her your information. I told her to get in touch with you. So hopefully she'll do that soon. Okay. So we might have two HR, two HR uh, specialists, I guess, back to back Mm -hmm. here, but. And she's in a whole different part of HR. So she'll have a whole different story to tell. Awesome. So good. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Sarah. I think we should wrap it up. All right. Have a great day. Take care. This has been April Malone with Sarah Hudson. And yes, I work from home and we will see you next time. Bye.